Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Right, we're still carrying on with um, our process of trying to understand is the Bible real and for real? Is it the word of God or the construct of man? Um, within the process of that, I have taken a slight detour, which is this will be part two of a trilogy of messages within the, the wider given subject um, because I wanted to deal with the, with the subject of giving, what it means, what it what, what it um, implies in our life, what the consequences and the blessings are of, of doing that because um, uh, this doesn't come cheap. What we're doing, who we're reaching doesn't come cheap. And um, uh, in any organization, and the same is true in life, if you are taking out more than you are putting in, there comes a point where there's nothing in for anybody else to take out. Do you understand what I'm saying? So um, sometimes people think when you talk about giving that all the church is interested in is, is money. Those of you who've been here for any length of time will know that I have talked very, very, very little about money and very little directly uh, about money. But there comes a time when we need to do, because actually we're more emotionally attached to our money than we think. In fact, Jesus one day said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And one of the reasons sometimes we get uncomfortable with conversation about money is because that's where our heart is, right? So when we talk about our treasure, we're touching a heart, and very often it shows that we have too much invested in our money and not enough investment of our money, okay? Now, of course, the Bible is a a spiritual book primarily. It it is talking about um, processes... And, and, and results that are not the consequence of natural reasoning. We have to remember that. So that comes down into every area of our lives. So the reason I have connected this to talking about the Bible is because a lot of that we based in Genesis, and I'm actually using Genesis chapter 1 to show you how God taught us about all this stuff right from the very beginning. So um, let me again give you my, my preamble so that you you know where I'm coming from this. Now, I believe that Genesis chapter 1, which is something all of you will be familiar with because it's the whole basis of argument when people talk about creation versus evolution and all that stuff. Um, I believe that Genesis 1 actually provides the pieces of a puzzle, not about how the earth came, not how the earth came about, but how life works. I don't believe that the Bible is or was ever intended to be a science manual or a history book. I think it has within it science and it has within it history, but when you try to make it a science manual or a history book, you're going to get into all kinds of trouble and you make the rest of us believers look stupid, okay? Which we're not, okay? So, so I... I do not believe the primary objective of the first chapter of Genesis in its seven days of creation is actually to describe how the earth came about. I actually think it's a seven-step journey to wholeness that transcends generations because it starts with brokenness, it starts with chaos, it starts with disorder, and it finishes with the day of rest, with, with peace, with a new beginning. That's the purpose, because what I truly believe is that, is that it's more about transformation than it is about creation, and that when transformation starts occurring in an atmosphere of creation power, the result is always change. So my desire for you tonight is that you experience transformation, because transformation brings change, and change makes our life different, doesn't it? So... So I believe that transformation has always been the message at the root of creation and the gospel and that it is the only application. It's about transformation and I want you to actually experience that tonight in your own life in every dimension. Now, as this process of transformation unfolds, we said last time that we're quickly exposed to the importance of something called the seed. So, So we've got 
darkness and chaos, and God says, let there be light, day one. Day two, he moves all the mist so we can actually see what's going on. And then what happens on day three is the plants, the seeds, the bushes, the trees, all that kind of stuff. Now, what is all that about? Well, it's that we're quickly and necessarily exposed to the importance of the seed. That first day of creating stuff actually majors on the principle of the seed. It says this in Genesis um, chapter 1 and verse 12, the land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds, and God saw that it was good. Now, we talked last time about the humble, humble seed and what you do with your seed governs what multiplies in your life. Now, I have some props tonight. You're welcome. Did you hear what I said? What you do with your seed governs what multiplies in your life. That's, that's not, that's not the, the doctoral class for Christian doctrine. That's the intake, okay? That's the first lesson intake. What you do with your seed will govern what you produce in your life. It will govern what multiplies in your life. So, so two, two things I love about this is God, first of all, says, okay, this deal I'm bringing you into, you've got to understand, we are dealing with the laws of multiplication. It's not, it's not Mr. Fix-It. We're dealing with the laws of multiplication. Everything that you grab in its full truth from what is the Word of God will produce multiplication in your life, Okay? Now, what I found interesting was we talked about the seed. This, this is one of my bird feeders, which hasn't had feed for the birds in it for a, a few weeks, as you can see. But what happens here is that every seed, we said, has a special ingredient. And what was that special ingredient? Potential. Every seed, every seed has that special ingredient of potential. You have potential within you. However, the problem is with potential is that unless you know how to release the potential, then all you'll ever have is a seed, okay? So the problem with many of us is we have seed and it has potential, but we never release it, so that potential is never realized. Now, now this is, this is uh, corn, this is wheat, And you can see what's happened in my bird table. See? I told you every seed has potential within it. So even even in my bird feeder, the potential is trying to break out of the seed. However, how much wheat do you think I'm going to grow from this? The answer is none. Because I haven't done what's necessary with the seed. What I've revealed is the potential of the seed, but what I do with the seed actually governs what the seed will produce in my life. So we talk quite a lot about about, um, this. So so we also said that seed that is sown, seed that is not sown will never multiply. Now, now, of course, this relates to, to anything that's seed in our life, to our friendship, to our kindness, to our compassion, to our money. And everything produces after its kind. So, so what many of us are seeing grow in our life is simply the product of the seed that we sowed. If you're angry as a, 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 as a, as a junkyard dog... Why, why do you think people respond to you the way they do? The seed that you sow is what produces the harvest in your life. Seed that is not sown does not multiply. The verse in the Bible says that unless the seed of corn falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it brings forth much fruit. Now, having looked at the significance of the seed, we now need to look at something else, which is the importance of the branch. Okay. And we're going to cover this a little bit from, from Bible because it's covered in this very part of Genesis that we talked about because the seed comes from the fruit and the fruit's the last thing that grows on the plant or the tree. So there are other things connected to the tree or the plant that are necessary for the fruit to occur. So, so 
So I want to look at the importance of the branch. Now, Jesus said something very important and very interesting about this. And the question would be, why is it important? Okay, so prop number two. Right. What is the most important thing to notice about that branch? Come on, give me an idea, somebody. It's dead. That's a good answer. Um, It almost is. It's actually... Not quite. But it's on the way, isn't it? But that's not the most important thing. What, what's the most important thing to notice about this branch? It's what? Somebody tell me at once. It's what? Thank you. The most important thing about this branch, forgive me, my earring's rubbish. The most important thing about this branch is that it is disconnected. Everything that this branch is experiencing is due to one reason and one reason alone. That it is no longer connected to the tree. Would you agree? So therefore the connection of this branch, which bears the fruit to the tree, is actually extremely critical. Because if this connection is severed, how much fruit is that going to produce? So this branch will remain fruitless for one reason. It is no longer connected to the tree and to the source of its life, okay? So the branch or the stem plays a critically important role in the process of fruitfulness. And that role is connection, okay? So... There is to be a connection between the root and the fruit. So the life of the tree, the life of the plant in the root, and the fruit which comes on the end of the branch, something has to connect the root and the fruit. The root life with the fruit life. Now I believe this is one area that we can fall down in our ability to be fruitful as human beings because we miss the importance of the connection between root life and fruit life is the branch. Now you say, but what is the branch? Well, there's a better question. Who is the branch? So Jesus, taking his inspiration from the whole revelation of the Father, which was what was used to give us our instruction of the seven-step process of life in Genesis chapter 1, because he is now the the living word. He now comes along, and in John chapter 15, verse 5, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. So Jesus uses a vine as the example of the tree, the bush, the plant. But he says something very significant. He says, you are the branches. Now, why is it important to know that? Because fruit grows on branches and branches that are not attached to the tree can't produce any fruit, not because they have the inability to be fruitful, but because they are not attached to the life-giving source. So broadly speaking, okay, it's this. You are the critical connecting element between the root life and the fruit life. You are. I've heard a lot of nonsense in my many years in Christian ministry. And one of the big areas of nonsense is that somehow everything's out of our control and God just acts arbitrarily. Well, I don't think that's true, to be perfectly honest. I think God, and you can read this in Genesis chapter 1, entered into a partnership with us. And nothing in life that is fruitful is fruitful without the process of partnership. So you are the critical connecting element between root life and fruit life. If we can get that right, then we can set ourselves up to be incredibly fruitful and productive. So in some ways, you are not responsible for the production of fruit. In many ways, the branch is not responsible for the production of fruit. Just the bearing of it, okay? But not the producing of it. Nor are you responsible for the strength of the root, just for being connected correctly to and within the process. That's your responsibility, connection, okay? 
When the connection is right, everything else happens. If the connection is wrong, nothing else happens, or we finish up like a branch that's been snapped off the tree, that's trying to draw life through its limited connection, but ultimately will die and fall away from the tree. So connectedness recognizes several things. It recognizes the need for partnership. It rests in other-centeredness rather than self-centeredness. It recognizes there are other things that matter than just me and my needs at this moment, but me and my needs get me and my needs met when I become other-centered rather than self-centered because I realize that this in itself cannot produce anything, but that connected to the tree has the power then to bring the fruit out of the branch, okay? So it's the connectedness. So, so it, it also recognizes that partnership is critical for producing. So the first part of John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, Jesus says, you are the branches. Okay? He's trying to get something through to us. How many of you would agree? He didn't mean you are the branches, that you're all stuck up. Okay? Or that you are the branches because you're all... Look like twigs. He's trying to get something through to us because very often we talk about fruit and we talk about root, but we miss the critical nature of the branch. The branch is the critical connection between root and fruit. And if you are the branch, then you are the critical connection between the root and the fruit. Okay? Is that coming through? So he starts, I am the vine, you are the branches. But then he goes on to say, if a man remains in me and I in him... He will bear much fruit. Um, This is, forget this just being a spiritual statement. Um, This is actually a, this is a spiritual statement that is backed up by nature. Okay? Or nature backs up this spiritual statement. Whichever way you, you want to put it. Jesus said, if a man remains in me and I in him, the same thing's going to happen there as happens if the branch remains in the tree and the tree in the branch, it will bear much fruit. Because the branch is in the tree and the tree is in the branch and it bears much fruit. So, so he's saying on a, on a dynamic level, wherever that occurs in a relationship with God or in relationship with one another, I in you and you in me, he said there will always be a process of fruitfulness because that has been established in creation. So there's a couple of interesting things that... that, that Go with that. Fruit cannot be produced in the absence of a suitable branch or stem, can it? And the main element governing the success for the branch is its connection to the root or to the tree. Now, I'm pushing this because I want you to get a hold of this, okay? Now, I appreciate that we can say we are connected to Jesus... You know, according to John 15, verse 5, you know, if a man remains in me and I am in him, I, I get that, that we're connected to Jesus. Uh, we, we could also say that, that on the wider sense that, that we're connected to the kingdom of God. You know, so I should be fruitful because I'm being connected to Jesus and I'm connected to the kingdom of God. So all I have to do is receive from Jesus and the kingdom and give back to Jesus and the kingdom and that's all I need. Well, whatever that means to you, but a branch would never say I am connected to the biological taxonomic family called tree. <laughs> Do you like that, taxonomic? It's a good word, isn't it? It's a clever word, that. That means belonging to a specific group type. A tree would never say that. Its life flow comes from the particular tree to which it has found itself connected. Um, I believe in the local church. I believe that just like with the, the branch connected 
to the tree, there is life that flows. It's not always a conscious life. It's not always a seen life. It's not always a life that seems to be deliberately recognized. But nevertheless, while ever that branch remains attached to the tree, life flows into the branch because of its connection. And if the branch has any sense, it realizes that its whole being is going to be affected by the level of its connectedness to the tree from which it has grown. Shall I be blunt? If God planted you in the rock, stay connected to the rock. Because the branch doesn't go around saying, I think I'll stick myself to that tree. I think I'll stick myself to that tree. No, I think I'll go and join this tree over here. Now, there is such a thing called grafting. It's got nothing to do with Yorkshire's men working, okay? Grafting is when you take one branch from one tree and you cut into it and you cut into the tree and you put that, you put that branch in and, and, and you bind it and you allow it to grow and, and that, the life of the tree flows into the branch, the life of the branch flows into the tree. But guess what? You don't do that all the time. No, imagine a branch that says, well, I'm just going to have a week off being connected. Right? Now, when you put it like that, it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it? Now, I'm going to be honest with you as a leader. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me when you, I, or anybody says, I'll just have a week off. Because I see a critical importance of the connection of the branch to the tree. And the fruitfulness of the branch is directly related to its connection to the tree. We become who we are by our connection and by our attachment. Now, that's from somebody who has been in the same church for next year will be uh, 54 years. So I think I've proved a little something there. about connect- And I have been blessed and I am blessed and I thank God for the blessing and the fruitfulness in my own life. So its life flow comes from the tree to which it has found itself connected. The extent or level of connectedness has a direct impact on the ability of the plant to realize its full potential in regard to longevity and fruitfulness, okay? First of all, it stays connected, it actually keeps it alive. Secondly, it stays connected, it actually bears fruit. Now, there is a two-edged application to this. One is, yes, stay connected to the true source of life, which is God the Father, the Creator. I appreciate that, but that can be so wishy-washy because we never actually commit ourselves to anything that's going to cost us anything or make us have to be involved on a partnership level when the weather's good and when the weather's bad, when it's raining, when it's snowing, when it's freezing, when it's red hot, through summer and winter, seed time, and harvest, there is no demand upon our lives when we have that attitude. And I believe, absolutely, categorically, does it does affect the level of the fruitfulness of our lives. And does affect the return that comes back to us. Okay. Are you liking this? No. <laughs> well, I don't care if you do or you don't. It's... So if what I've said is true, and this is hard hitting, and don't mean to criticize or condemn anybody, but but this is true. Coming and going as one pleases is not an option. Taking out but not giving back is not an option. If this is true, okay? If this is not true, then Genesis 1 isn't true. Jesus was fibbing when he talked to his disciples. But if it's true, and if Jesus said that it's true, that that's how the process of life works in connection with him, in connection with the kingdom, and in connection with the tree that we have been put in or the place that we have been planted, then I, for one, want to pay attention to that and be part of that process of fruitfulness. Now, it's fascinating what can be gleaned as a model for life from the first life model revealed, okay? So I'm still in Genesis chapter 1 on day 3. When the plants, the shrubs, the trees that bear fruit uh, are, are set in the earth. The reason I say that this is fascinating is for several reasons. Number one is that it introduces us to something called life by photosynthesis. Okay. Now every plant, every 
tree draws its life from photosynthesis, okay? Now, photosynthesis <laughs> is taken from the Greek and it simply means to put together with light. Photosynthesis means to put together with light. Or in other words, the putting together is the result of light. Now, what happened on day one? Let there be light. Why? Because light is critical to the process of life and productivity. Now, what day did sun, moon and stars turn up? Day four. So therefore, the light that came on day one was nothing to do with sun, moon, and stars. It was a different kind of light. It was a more pure kind of light. And it was the kind of light that began the process of life because a day before, and of course, a day's not in the next 24 hours, we're going to have sun, moon, and stars, so everything will work. I think those days were long periods of time, personally speaking. I think day is just a way of locating it. And if you think I'm wrong, what's the most popular thing people are saying now? In the, back in the day, right? Which day? Friday? Two weeks ago, last Wednesday. Well, what do people mean when they say back in the day? We're talking about a period of time. We're talking about a, a, a time experience in life that could be a year, it could be 20 years, it could be when we were kids and now growing up. In the same way, I believe Genesis uses the term day here. So here's the fascinating thing. All this works as a result of photosynthesis, but we don't have any sun, moon and stars when all this comes into being. I think it was planned that God put this stuff on the earth before he put sun, moon, and stars in the sky. Whatever that means to you, however you think that came about, I really don't care. It's the principle of this that is so important to me. So here's the deal. Our true fruitfulness comes by synthesis. Uh, what is that synthesis that we are supposed to get into, that photosynthesis? It, it, means, it means being put together with light. Or in other words... When life really works, it works because of the light that comes from God, not because of the light that comes from life. It works because there is a miracle element, not a natural element. It works because there is something beyond the natural experience of life. It works because there is something that is creative that is not bound by the circumstances that we present to it. Just like the model of creation was, here are the circumstances presented, let me show you how they can be transformed. Okay? Is that not the story of Genesis? It was dark, it was empty, it was void. That was the circumstances presented and God's word says, now let me show you how that can be transformed. I still believe that when you meet the real God, the creator, he is a transformer of circumstances and a changer of lives. So, so we have this thing called photosynthesis. Now, it means put together with light. Now, now did you know, did you know that... Plants are the only living organisms that can make their own food. Did you know that? They're the only living organisms that can make their own food. Now, I find it fascinating that God's first model of a non-geological or hydrological creation. These are great words, aren't they? Just so impressed. Getting shivers just reading it. Interesting that the first creation, so this is before man, this is before animals, God says, I want to show you the best way for things to work. And so he produces organisms that can make their own food. He produces organisms that before sun, moon and stars, before we ever understood seasons, actually find a way of life that drawing on the life that is in God allows them to produce something that is completely unnatural, unexpected, but totally amazing. That's our first example Right, of living organisms, okay? Now, photosynthesis requires three elements. It requires water, it requires breath, and it requires light. Now, I find it fascinating that plants breathe, that leaves actually breathe. 
Uh, I am told that if you put a strong enough microscope on the leaf, you can see the leaf actually breathing, which is absolutely fascinating to me. What I find so interesting is that water and breath and light. The beginning of Genesis says that, that, that it, the earth was covered with water and it was dark. And it says the spirit of God hovered. Now, now the Hebrew word for spirit is the, is, the word, is the word ruach. And the word ruach is the Hebrew word for breath. Okay? So what it's telling us is that in the water, there was the breath of God, and God said, let there be light. Well, those are the three elements of photosynthesis. Those are the things that have always produced light. It's interesting. Jesus said, I'm the water. Whoever drinks of me. It's interesting that that even the word spirit in the Greek is the word pneuma, which also means breath or wind and light. Now, limiting any one factor can limit the process of photosynthesis. So there is always in everything a connection of elements that when those elements function together, you produce a dynamic result. Okay? So what causes a branch to become dry? It's actually, ultimately, it's disconnection. Now, here's some knowledge that you can amuse your friends with and... If you remember this, might win the, pop, win the pub quiz next week on the night, okay? Apparently plants and trees, anything of this nature, has two systems for the transportation of substances and uses two different types of transport tissue. One of them is called xylem transports, which transports water and solutions from the roots up through the tree, along the branch, and into the leaves, while the other one is called phlegm, not that phlegm, not that. It's called phlegm. That transports fruit from the leaves to the rest of the plant. Okay? So the phlegm vessels move sugars, which are produced during photosynthesis, because photosynthesis produces, it produces um, uh, uh, oxygen and it produces sugars. Isn't it interesting as well that what God first created breathes in carbon dioxide, which is what we breathe out. So there's a natural filtration system that what we breathe out, that breathes in. Everything in nature working wonderfully in harmony together. But what I find fascinating is this thing he created on the third day, it actually it gives out two things, sugars and oxygen. What are, the, what are the things we need for life? We need sugars for energy and we need oxygen for life. It's producing energy and life. Energy and life. I believe when we're rightly connected to the kingdom of God, we have two things. We have energy and we have life. We have energy and we have life flowing through us, but it's also happening by photosynthesis because of the light that we understand. Jesus said, I'm the light that lights every man who comes into the world. So, so the, the phlegm vessels move sugars that are produced during photosynthesis from the leaves to the growing tissues, which is the tips of the roots and the shoots, and it also produces storage for the roots. So here's the deal. There is a process of drawing from and feeding back to. Drawing from, feeding back to. See how I'm connecting this to our giving. Drawing from, feeding back to. If that process doesn't work, this doesn't work. Drawing from, feeding back to. So actually, when we talk about giving, we're not talking about getting something from you, we're talking about getting something to you, because as you flow back into the root, you then receive the life from the root, which flows back into the fruit. So it's a a reaction that God set in place right at the very beginning that's got nothing to do with legally asking people for money. It's about saying, if you want life to work in every area, these are the processes that make it work. So if we're only and totally subject to the laws of time and chance, most of us will not live in a state of underlying or overwhelming prosperity. I I propose to you, you have a choice to make tonight. You live either in the realm of the laws of time and chance. Do you know what that is? Great, great wise guy Solomon said, time and chance happens to all of us. So time and chance is the thing that put people in the theatre in France 
when the gunman came there to that theatre, not another theatre. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, so it can work very negatively in our life. It can also work very positively in our life, you know, because we might bump into somebody who we have a conversation with and they give us a job and we become the CEO of the company and time and chance put us together. Now, time and chance does work. It, it works whether you believe in God or don't believe in God. Okay, what you believe in, you know, if you're dyslexic and you believe in dog, it, 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 it really... Whatever your state of being, whoever you are, this, this is, this is a, a reality that we are, we are talking about here, that actually we're either living life according to the laws of, of time and chance, or we're living life according to the system that God put in place. Now, now, now time and chance are not elements found in the creation model. You will not find in Genesis chapter 1 anything that happened by time and chance. Um, I, I know time and chance exist, but I think sometimes what people ask me to believe in the context of time and chance are beyond ridiculous and are definitely not scientific. So, for example, I have certain views about the creation model and how creation came about and humanity and I I don't believe in a young earth, okay? Uh, I don't believe that dinosaurs were planted to, you know, to to mislead the the atheists. I really don't. I, I don't believe in a young earth. I believe in an old earth. But what I don't believe in and refuse to believe in is for all this to have happened without, a, without a, a cause, so an uncaused cause, for this just to come from a random big bang is like this. I'd have to win the Euro lottery and the, the lotto here. I'd have to win the French one, the German one, the Dutch one, the Belgian one, the Portuguese one, the Italian one, the Spanish one, the Chinese one. I'd have to do it in every state in America on the same day are about the same odds as this earth and everything that we know in life coming about by some un- undirected explosion. It's nuts. It's not science. So yeah, but science shows we're in an expanding universe. That does not mean a big bang out of nothing. Okay. So I just need you to know when I talk about creation, I believe in a creator, and that is what is most important to me, not the mechanism by which that happened. But within that mechanism, we can either subject ourselves in life to say, we will live by time and chance, which you will not find in the creation model. Okay? Or you can live by what's in the creation model, which is order and predictive outcomes. Right? Order and predictive outcomes. If you do that, and you're connected to this, and that's working this will bear fruit. That's what Jesus was saying in John 15. If you're connected right, you will bear fruit. If you're connected to the right source, you will bear fruit. If you feed into the right root, that root will bring the right fruit. It will happen because it's not time and chance. It's not luck. Might this happen to me? It's about Following the creation process, which is about order and predictive outcomes. Seed time and harvest are in the creation model. Death being overcome by life are in the creation model. The creation process, though, you need to understand, is one, is, is, is one of short-term set-up miracles, but long-term strategies for success. Now, it's important to say this, because some people think, okay, if what a man sows, he'll reap, and... With the measure that you sow, you will also reap. Okay, so if I put a tenner in the offering tonight, then by the time I get home, there'll be, there'll be an envelope that's gone through the, you know, with a hundred quid in. Now it might. And some of you have had that. I remember as a boy um, testing this stuff out. I remember being in Scarborough, I was in a Salvation Army Citadel. Had this weirdest feeling when the collection plate came round that I should put 50p in the collection plate. You say, well, that's not a lot, is it? When it's your last 50p, it's everything. That wasn't a lot, that was everything. So understand also when we talk about giving, we're not talking about amounts, we're talking about sacrifice. I don't believe in equal amounts, I do believe in equal sacrifice. So actually, I was probably the biggest giver in all that congregation that day. I gave 50p. 
Why? Because I gave everything. Now, imagine I was worth 50 million and I gave 5 million. Which would be most noticed, the 5 million or the 50p? But who gave the most? Who was the most faithful? See, so this is never about amounts. This is about principle. But I had this strangest feeling that I should give this 50p. And I'm like, mm, I like to say, I just said, yes, Lord. I, angel, ooh. There, there was a battle. But somehow I knew this. And, and really what, what I believe was happening is, was God was trying to teach me some of these principles, what I call biblical economics. And so my 50p went in that, in that um, collection plate. And I watched it go away, and I watched it go down the next row and the next row until it disappeared in the distance. Um, when, when that service ended, and I really didn't expect this in, in the Salvation Army. I mean, you know, I was raised in a different stream, so I did not expect this. A lady came up to me and said, uh, well, she came up to my parents and said, excuse me, is this, this your son? May I have a word? And they said, yeah, sure. She said, I was watching you here tonight, she said, and I was just so impressed by how attentive you were and what you did. He said, she said, and so, you know, I, I just wanted to give you something as a little blessing. She gave me a fiver. Um, now, the question is, is that going to work every time you do it? No, because now you're going to think, oh, I've put 50p and got a fiver, so I'll, I'll, give, I'll give that a shot next time. You know, kind of work up, we'll start with a pound, and then if, if, you know, if that works well, we'll, phew, you know. Now, if, if you look at the model of creation, what, what tends to happen is what I call a short-term setup miracle. So the short-term setup miracle was God creates plants and bushes and trees. That's the short-term setup miracle. But the long-term strategy was for them to continue being what they were planted to be, knowing that if they continued being what they were planted to be, the results that they were promised they would have would come. So giving in the kingdom of God is not a one-off thing to try and get a miracle because I had a bad week or I've got a bill coming up. Giving in the kingdom of God is like, is like the branch that's properly connected with photosynthesis saying, I'm here doing this now, I'm creating sugars and I'm going to send those sugars back into the root because the more I send the sugars back into the root, the more the life sustenance from the root is going to flow up to me. And when that life flows through me and I abide in the vine and the vine abides in me, I'm going to bear much fruit. So there is an inevitability about the fruitfulness, but just like with your tree or your bush, the fruitfulness comes from the initial setup miracle, but then from the longevity. I have been committed to giving at least 10% of my gross income for all of my life into the kingdom of God. Now, that's not a, a boast. That's just I'm telling you that's what I've done. Because I want to say that God is faithful and many things that have happened to me, of being that way. Now, you need to know as well that we are not a large church. We're all right. But we punch above our weight, okay? We give more than should be expected that we would give. Listen, when people come, people want to come and preach here because we bless people who preach here. Now, you say, why do you bless people who preach here? Is it because you want to put some cash in your buddy's pockets? No, I bless them because I understand that if I want this corporate house to be blessed financially, it has to be a blessing financially. And so we have made decisions to be a blessing, which has ensured that this house has finished every year in the black. It's ensured that we've been able to have staff. It's been ensured that we've been able to have people like Beth and Danny, whose productivity in terms of return into this house in the context of finances is round about zero. <laughs> or thereabouts. But you see, the issue is we can bless them because of what flows in. Now, I believe because we have been a blessing, we are blessed. Okay? So the principle is not get blessed and bless somebody. The principle is be a blessing and blessing will come back. The issue is, okay, plant a seed and you'll get a tree. Get a tree and you'll get fruit. It's not get fruit, it's plant a seed. You'll grow a tree, it'll produce a branch, you'll get fruit. That is true in every area of our lives, every aspect of relationship, not just money, 
but giving. But I thank God for the way that I've witnessed that process absolutely work. Okay. Now, of course, I believe that the creation process is the short-term setup miracle, and long-term strategies is what brings success. Sadly, the current trends are for loose temporal connections. I'm sure you would agree. Loose temporal connections. And so we get what we planted for. We get loose temporal returns. Right? We get loose temporal fruitfulness because we have loose temporal connections. I'm trying to inspire you. Not that I'm saying you, you have to be attacked. You can never leave this house because, you know, we don't, we don't manipulate anybody. Anybody that wants to come and go can come and go, but I'd rather that you come and come. I'd rather that you realize that actually sometimes we have to endure a winter. Sometimes we have to go through extreme weather conditions, extreme, extreme environmental circumstances and, and pressures, but I don't see a lot of branches on trees saying, oh, it's pretty tough, I'm off. Right, that's, I'm done with this tree. What I see is them hanging in and surviving and, and being flexible and bending and hanging in. Why? Because they know that seasons are going to come and that while ever they're attached, life is going to flow into them. Okay? I thank God for this house. This house has brought life to me. Okay, so I'm about done and I've talked for a bit. Third part of John 15 verse 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you can do nothing. There's the principle. And then in verse 16, he goes on to say, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. The whole heart of God is that not only that we are connected and, and that root and fruit find its life source, but that the fruit that comes into us might remain. So... In other words, that are taught, we go from faith to faith, we go from glory to glory. Our lives are changing in, in an upward spiral, okay? A up, upward helix, going towards life all the time, okay? So, next time, um, I want to talk to you about how giving is the secret to productivity and prosperity. I want to talk about a strange thing called the tithe, which simply means the tenth. And how the first models of humanity were dependent on engaging with the process for the fulfillment of their purpose. So there is a process involved. Uh, and how to live off the root rather than the fruit. It's good when you're living off the root. Because in the root there's always potential for more fruit. When you're living off the fruit, what happens when the fruit's gone? See, See the whole source of our connectivity has to be with something that makes us that we bear much fruit and the Bible talks about fruit that actually remains, fruit, fruit that's not wasted. So I'm, I'm going to talk quite bluntly about some of that next week. So uh, I hope you're here and I hope, I hope we can get that through. But last thing tonight. Um, we, we talked in leaders a lot about a thing called a salvation moment. Sometimes we don't emphasize it enough because uh, in, in the flow of all the information that we receive, unless, unless we personally attach our being to what it is that has been said, actually the, the, the initiation of transformation very often doesn't take place. So salvation moment is not about, it's not about God doing anything for you at this moment. It's about you recognizing what he has done for you. And that in recognizing that and connecting with that, you, you by some means receive that truth. You, 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 give, you give authority for that truth to, to take root in your life and to produce. And that becomes a choice. So, so maybe tonight you, you've just realized that... Um, you want to be fruitful, and there is a good place to be attached to, which is not just the rock, but God himself, Jesus, I'm the vine, you're the branches. But, but maybe, maybe there's either this going on, or maybe you're just keeping your distance and this is going on, 
And what's happening is this, this just starts to perish. It doesn't... And then we get all kinds of feelings about what the, ch- the church, the church bigger is and isn't and does and doesn't do and has and hasn't done. When actually the problem was I never, I never, I never got myself attached really. So let's just abide for a moment. Um, again, this is, not, this is not particularly about the rock, although that, that may be involved in it. It's more about Jesus himself. It's more about the creator if, if you have recognized that you are either detached or your attachment is not a consistent attachment, but you want to make a choice tonight to, to have that salvation moment and say, I'm becoming attached right now, I'm, I'm fixing this deal. Just, just slip your hand up right Yeah, I just want to pray for you as we pray. Thank you. Anyone else, just as we, just real quick. Okay, we're going to pray. I want you, if you raise your hand, which, which I know um, at least one of you did. Um, just in your heart, receiving is an interesting thing because receiving is something a giver can't force upon you. It's something you do by choice. It's something you do with an open heart. It's something you, whew, I accept that. And if you think it's really difficult, when somebody says you're useless, you're a total failure, you'll never become anything. How come after that you think you're useless, a total failure, never become anything? And you're looking for people to approve of you because you received that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So actually we receive things easier than we, we, we imagine. And, and you can receive the grace that comes to you very easily just by an open heart that says, thank you, Lord, I received that grace for me right now. And thank you for the transformation that it it brings. Just do that right now in your heart. So thank you, Father, for being with us, for helping us, for guiding us, for giving us models and patterns that we can follow that will help us successful and help us in part three of the trilogy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. This could turn into Star Wars, incidentally. So, you know, we might... But we're not going to the dark side. Staying on the light side. Thank you. I know we've gone on a bit. You've listened. Fantastic. These are important principles attached. That's the key to the fruit. Root to fruit is the branch. You're the branch. All right. Bless you. We love you. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.